All right. Well, Baruch Hashem, welcome to the Parsha podcast, uh, the Haftarah portion for Ki Tavo. I'm here with Hasis, and we are getting ready to get underway with the insights for this week. First, we shall start with the Bracha. Barukata Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Bakar Bin Ve'im Tovim, Veratza Ve'divrehim Ha Ne'emarim, Be'emet, Baruch Ata Adonai, Haboker Batorah, Uv Moshe Abdo, Uv Yisrael Amo, Uvin Vie Ha Emet Vazedek. In the merit of Mashiach Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, what you got for us this week? All right. So, we are in Haftorah Ki uh, Kitavo. Kitavo. And, you know, as always, we kind of start off with. Um, you know, a little fun facts, a little background information on some of our characters in the story. And I was thinking, we've been doing Yeshiyahu, you know, Isaiah for for quite some time. Yes. And it's been awesome. Not complaining about that. Not but don't you like to do something a little bit different? Okay. Bring it And on. instead of pointing out things about Isaiah... I like to talk about talk about us. Ooh. Fun Ooh. facts about us from the from the Gemara. Wow. So okay. this is insights based on uh, the half Torah Echev and uh Bezor Hashem will will kinda touch back to that, that half Torah throughout this half Torah. Okay. But talking about talking about us. So the Gemara tells us, a person is obligated to say daily, the world was created for me. At first glance, this could be misconstrued as the self-centered raving of an ego gone wild. However, the Gemara's stated obligation is actually just the opposite. The world was created for me is actually the highest expression of humility and obligation. It demands that the individual acknowledge his unique designation as the only creation whose free-willed actions determine the value and purpose of the entire universe. If the human chooses to serve Hashem, the purpose for creating the universe is confirmed. If the human sins and goes against Hashem's command, the creation of the universe was for naught. Therefore, it is imperative that the human being, that we drape ourselves in the nobility of service and the humility of subjugation to Hashem's wishes, thereby lending credence to credence to the act of Rashi, to the act of creation. And it goes in uh, furthermore talking about um, in the half half to echa excuse me, um, the verse, Behold, I am inscribed you on my palms, your walls are before me always. It says Yeshiyahu challenged our understanding. Uh, understandable slide to an abject depression with the imagery of the Gemara in Rechot 32b. The Jewish people cried out, You have abandoned us. Hashem answered, My daughter, the twelve constellations and their countless celestial hosts were created only for your sake. 
Your actions may have destroyed the Bantamikdash and exiled you among the other nations for thousands of years. But your symbiotic existence with the universe makes it impossible for me to forget you. Being responsible for the universe is your greatest honor and greatest bane. Yeshayahu told us that it is as if Hashem engraved us on his palms so that he can never forget us. It is as if Hashem spends every moment contemplating the broken walls of Yerushalayim and the destroyed Behamekdash, awaiting our teshuva so we can return he, so he can return, Slicha, so he can return to us to a rightful place. He is like a mother who worries constantly for the well-being and spirituality of her wayward child, and at times relates with tough love that causes the child to feel abandoned. However, Hashem, like the mother, never forgets and always awaits his children's return. Wow. So, as you were just reading that last little part about the mother, you know, I was thinking about... Eli Eli Eliyahu Hanavi. Eli Eli Eliyahu Hagiladi. So that's a rendition of Moshav Eliyahu. But you know, when I heard that song off their new Shabbat Volume Two uh, album, shameless, shameless plug. plug. Moshav's getting a shameless plug right now. Um, you know, it was like, the song is like so great to come out of Shabbat, you know, you're saying God is my salvation, and then you go right into the Havdalah, and then right after Havdalah, you start calling out for Eliyahu, right? Well, yes. in the song, he's all like, sometimes I feel like a motherless child, and you're like, uh, what? <laughs> So, uh, I just want to say a big Toda Rabbah to you for bringing some elucidation to that. Because I just think, you know, the whole fact of us being like a, a child who, who feels like they don't have a mother, that's kind of like crazy, you know, because we know Hashem is our father, but we don't ever really look at him like a mothering, you know? And obviously Mashiach, when he says, how I long to gather you in, like uh, the mother longs to gather in her nurslings, like the uh, the chicklets, you know. And so it's just kind of like, okay, we know that. But now when you talk about this, this is really cool with the destruction of the temple and waiting for us to be returned back and the temple to be rebuilt. Absolutely incredible. Amen. That's, that's awesome. Uh, I love like connecting to that the, the song. Um, that always that always hits me pretty hard. You know the whole part when it starts talking about sometimes I feel like a mother's child. You know, and and you know always think of that as kind of like the land, and you know we're exiled from the land, we're exiled from the Behemikdash, and there's only so many commandments we can we can keep without being in the land and being having a Behemikdash. And but also from this this perspective, it's almost like. Like the, the times that we feel like we're so far away from Hashem, you know, and like we feel like we're a motherless child in the aspect of him being like nurturing as a mother and comforting as a mother. Yes. Like because right now we're in the, the harsh, harsh punishment to get us to turn back to him. And so it's just this idea of sometimes I feel like like I'm not close enough to Hashem than I that I ought to be. Wow. You know, and but you know, based on this Gemara, it's also telling us about ourself, like, like we have to say that the world was created for me. It's like this healthy, it's almost like this healthy sense of, of 
pride, if you will. Um, and it goes on talking how it's actually a, a high expression of humility because it obligates us to serve him. Mm-hmm. We understand that, that our actions have an effect on the world. Our actions have an effect on each other. And, you know, we live in a kind of a, a time here right now where everyone, you know, there's this idea of relativism and secularism and these ideas that you can be who you want to be as long as you're respectful to me and and we can all get along together. But the thing about that is, is we're actually all connected. Hmm. And we're all connected because we all have the same source, which is Hashem, which is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Especially us as called Israel, as all as Israel, as Jewish people. It's, there's, I've heard a story before that you, know, you have this, this, all these people on a ship. And one guy starts drilling a hole in his quarters. Drilling a hole through the ship, to the hmm. ocean. And all, all of a sudden the water starts coming in and all, all of a sudden, like the rest of the, the crew members on the ship go up to him. They're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And the guy tells him, well, leave, leave me alone. It's my room. I can do with it what I want. Little does he know he's sinking the entire ship. Man, there are better so, ways to see the ocean. Yeah, there are definitely better ways to see the, see the ocean. <laughs> um, someone get that guy uh, a window view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You know, but it's just one of those things. Like, like I think it's such a beautiful analogy. Um, the simple fact that that our actions we take affect everyone, and we look at even the the half Torah. And there's this there's this uh, really heavy, heavy section on the curses. Essentially, if you really go through them, it's a lot of the, a lot of the problems. If not all of them, all have the commonality of being something done in secret. Ooh. And I wonder if those people who are worshiping the idols in secret or illicit relationships in secret and stuff like that nature, if they ever took into consideration that, you know, what they does actually affects all of Israel. Wow. You you look at the story um, with Yehoshua and and the, the battle of Ai, they lost to Ai, right? That that uh, one of his men, one of the soldiers, confiscated something that would, would belong to Hashem, and they ended up losing losing like battles and people ended up dying because of this. Man. Why? Because one person did something in secret and it caused everyone else to fall because and, of that. And Hashem knew who it was the whole time, but he did not call him out. Yes. Because Yehoshua was on his face before Hashem, like, Hashem, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's going on? And Hashem's like, they're sending a camp. Not going to say who it is, but somebody's doing something they're not supposed to be doing. And it's just like, wait, what? You just, Hashem, like the guy is asking, like, help us out here. It's like, no, y'all, y'all can, uh, y'all can go through the due process because hopefully this person will make Teshuvah. The due process is for hopefully this person makes Teshuvah. Not that I want to blast him out. Not that I want to shoot lightning bolts at him, but I want to give him an opportunity to make Teshuva. And I've never really looked at that story like that. But as we're talking about this right now, it's hitting me in a brand new way. Because like you said, when we do things in secret, sometimes we don't think, oh, this can't be that big of a deal. It's just a little hole. Well, if you drill 50 little holes in the ship, that's a problem. And then Mashiach Yeshua says, what is done in the dark will be brought to light. Yes. So, yeah, heavy. It's true. That's true. We understand like the, the weight of our actions and we affect more than we think we do. 
whether it's done in, in public or if it's more in the private domain. Wow. And I love and so, how you said that we're all one, like we're connected. That's beautiful. One nation, Akkad. Akkad. And yeah, I love how you, you point out about uh, Mashiach and how he was saying, you know, what's done in the dark will be brought to light. That's that's this half Torah. That's this half Torah, you know. It says, Behold, darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the peoples. But upon thee, the Lord will rise, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Mm. And it's just, it goes in talking about how this light, this great light will be seen. And it uses the word Zerach, as in Zerah, the, one of the sons of Tamar and Yehuda. So that's the wow. word used for shine forth. That's incredible. Mm. Anyway, you were All saying. Right. <laughs> well, uh... Just about, just a little thing to hang on to during this period of, of Elul, Teshuvah, and trying to turn back to Hashem, understand the weight of our actions, and that even though it may seem like we are, like you said, uh, according to the song, a motherless child, like we're so far from Hashem, in reality, the entire world, the entire universe, um, every single human being is dependent on our actions, especially as Jewish people. And, you know, like we have so much weight to what we do and you think about this is because of our influence like that's a that's a, a dead giveaway if you will that we are closer to the shim than we think you know he's he's definitely not abandoning us you look at how much influence we have like he values us and he wants us to turn back to him why because us turning back to him is going to influence the entire world to turn back to him which is really what we see in this half torah did you just say that what yeah what you got? I mean, the whole thing about if we turn back to him, we will influence the whole world to do that. Like salvation for you and your whole household, you know, um, you bring the redemption, you know, like uh -huh. that whole picture and concept. Like that's insane. Like that goes against our human psyche almost like. How can my one choice influence the whole world, you know? And it's just like, I don't know. Why don't we ask, like, brilliant genius inventors throughout the centuries who have been one person who've just changed history forever? And it's just like, Hashem is giving all of us who know his name, who know his Mashiach, he's giving all of us that opportunity to literally change History, not only history, but creation itself. That, I, man, I'm throwing myself out the window. I, and I love, really, that you, you brought this whole idea of inventors. And you, you think about these, these scientists, these, these people who invented uh, different machines, different technology. Um, they had this intimate knowledge of the subject matter that they were dealing with. Intimate knowledge? Really? Yes. Oh and you think about that, you know, I... Very careful choice of, of words I chose, um, because you think about this as 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 the entire nation of Israel, um, the Jewish people, we have we have access to the Torah, written, oral, and just centuries upon centuries of of traditions, customs, halakha, um, insights into the Torah, which is how Hashem runs the world. We have such an intimate knowledge of of his torah and of his will like we are like those those inventors of past who who have 
because of their their intimate knowledge have affected generations generations to come there's a there's a concept that all all you see in the world as far as other nations go it actually has origins in the actions of the Jewish, uh, Jewish neshama, Jewish actions. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you see wars in the world, it's because there are our fellow brothers, fellow sisters, are constantly at war with words or with actions with each other. You see all these divisions in different sections and sections of, of Judaism arguing about, and uh, in, in the broad scopes of things, very trivial matters oh, and. Mm-hmm. Like that, that little action that's between uh, who should be brothers is causing wars in the entire world. Wow. You think about what Mashiach said, even about he who even looks upon a woman with lust in his heart has committed adultery already in his, in, in his heart. You know, and you think about that any, any, any glance of lustful action, then you have that broadening out to nations and highlighting. You have. You have uh, all these like sex slave industries. You have the pornography industry and all these things growing, and that that's because there are people in the Jewish nation who are who are not holding to Hashem's Torah because we have so much influence on this universe and how it's ran that that influence will, will seep over into the nations. And so, like we really have to understand the weight of our actions, the weight of our thoughts, the weight of what we choose to to look at what we choose to listen to, what we choose to speak, because it has profound significant impact on this entire universe. Man. Well, um, you've clearly upgraded from submachine guns to just, like, nukes. <laughs> I found I found your armory. <laughs> Dude, I don't even Show know. Show armory. I didn't know I had any of that in there. That is... That's not even... That oh my word! Like that is like beyond heavy. That is like major. Like, do you even know what you just said? That is so so deep. Like that is not plain. That is not simple by any stretch of the word. Like, man. Like if we all as Yehudim, like really latch on to that, Mashiach would be here like in two days. Or less. We we have to take ownership. You know, Dude. Oh. we have to take ownership of, of who we are as a people. You think about the whole concept of firstborn. Well, the whole concept of the firstborn is to relate the the values of the father, the values of the parents to the the younger children. Wait, and so, so Israel, the firstborn. Yes. Oh. Yes. And so, as a firstborn, we have this kind of uh, significance. In the eyes of nations, whether it's where it's a conscience, a conscient uh, effort, or it's an unconscious thing, like what we do, how we act, is going to affect the entire family. Okay, so the entire creation of Hashem. That totally is why Hashem set us up originally, like on the Temple Mount, to be like shine this light out to the four corners of the earth, so that yes. all mankind will like truly know how to live life and life abundantly mm-hmm. you are light on a hill <laughs> man i i'm just gonna let you talk because right now i'm in between crying and throwing stuff so you you just do do what you need to do it's a, it's a definitely a big pill to be to be swallowed but you know 
it's the idea of you know we have to we have to take our medicine <laughs> we have to take our medicine wow. we gotta be healthy to heal the world <laughs> make it a better place oh man <laughs> so uh, as we let that that idea kind of sink into uh like our essence to help us prepare for this Rosh Hashanah um, let's go ahead and do the half tour overview and verse by verse uh content that we're gonna uh cover all right says the half torah is from the book of yeshiyahu right this is actually the sixth of the seven constellations and so we're coming up to the climax of the event says uh speaking to the babylonian exiles the prophet yeshiyah offers them an exciting vision of things to come israel shall be restored to zion and its unhappiness shall be replaced with great joy no longer will this people be persecuted by the powerful nations instead the other nations will learn to appreciate the goodness of God's people. No more will there be violence and desolation. Instead, there will be peace and decency. God will bring his promises to Israel to fulfillment. Cool. And we have our verse by verse. Uh, 60. We're in chapter 60, all of chapter 60. Uh, verses 1 through 3, Hashem's light will shine upon the Jewish people. 4 and 5 is where the Gentile nations will come to honor Zion and to bring back our children. Verses 6 and 9 is the nations who will offer gifts. 10 through 17 is about the nations who will serve B'nai Israel and a further description of the gifts they will offer. And lastly, in 18 to 22, we have peace in Eretz Israel and the marvelous blessings that come. Mm. And so very hopeful. Um, we, we remember the, the story about um, the, the woman early on when we read the first of these constellations. The story about this woman who her entire family leaves her. Then all of a sudden, there's like a herald who says her family's coming back. And then her children start coming back. And then finally, she's reunited with her husband. Ooh. And so we, we read in the past half Torah where it's talking about the herald. But that's like Eliyahu calling out. We read that. Right. And now we're at the part where her children are coming back to her. Wow. To Zion. Wow. And so she's, she's actually seen the fruition of of what has been proclaimed throughout the ages and so it's just this great moment of joy it's like we're coming to the climax of the seven constellations and so it's a very exciting very hopeful um parsha man well i think it's a fitting time to just make a overlay of as we're discussing this to think about when mashiach was born and everybody and their grandsisters were traveling from all over the place to bring gifts. <laughs> yes. So I always thought that was so out of place. Well, because it was out of place growing up. Because, you know, saying that the Messiah was born on the 25th of a month called December. Uh, wow. Super did that exist back then? No, it did not. <laughs> I don't even know when December was invented. But it wasn't back then. So... It was just kind of awkward where it's just kind of like, so it's this day and then it's Messiah's birthday, but yet I'm getting all the presents and then like there's all these gifts being brought and then we're singing to a tree, but yet we're praising Hashem and like doing all this stuff. And it's just like, it's it was so awkward. I was just like, I don't know what frankincense and myrrh got to do with red and green and reindeers and all sorts of stuff. But Baruch Hashem for enlightenment and illumination and changing of heart and for context. 
because yes. when you were just breaking this Haftarah down, going through when the nations are bringing gifts and um, and everything that's going to be happening with the rebuilding of the temple and Zion and everything like that, it makes sense now. Mashiach's uh, birth is like a foreshadowing of what that ultimately will be. Anyway, I think that, that's a wonderful insight. Thank you so much um, for like making that connection for us. And, you know, I, I was thinking about what you said about the whole calendar and you're talking about December. And uh, since we're on that, uh, if you really look at like the roots and, you know, how you could look at a word and break it down from its roots, you look at the root Deca. Well, December is the 12th month in our calendar, but Deca is the Greek prefix for 10. You look at September, um, September is from like Septa. Right, which means right. like seven, seven, but it's the ninth month. And so what you see is everything is pushed back two months. What? Which would put which would put the beginning of the year around March, mm-hmm. which is usually the time for Nissan. And so you could see and you could see there was several other other months as well. Um, you can actually see the progression of the calendars and how they, they end up constantly moving and switching, you know, because you see this little connection about March, which is usually <laughs> corresponds to the month of Nisan, uh, being the first of the month, just like it says in scripture. So we're going to be first or seventh month for super significant times and events. If we just look at the Greek roots, Look at a roots, kind of be like, huh? Why does it say uh, Deca if it's the twelfth month? Oh. Well, because it was originally the tenth month. Why does it say Septa if it's the ninth month? Oh, because it was originally the seventh month, and all you know, all all these others as well. You know what that shows right there? That shows that even in the midst of exile and so much covering up, that Hashem is like, my people. If you truly seek me, you will find me. I mean, that right there is the most insane sauce I've ever tasted in my life. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things, like, as long as you're just being uh, just a reflective individual, just kind of looking back at what's around you, be like, okay, questioning, why do you do this? Why is this called this? And, you know, seeing contradictions and, and then seeing how things match up as well. And so, like you said, like, everything's made note to us. We just have to open our eyes and start asking questions and start reflecting within our hearts and within our minds and really trying to understand truth and seeking it out. And eventually we're going to be led back to the source, wow. which is Hashem himself. Well, can you heed our own? Wow. Okay. All right. So with that, with that uh, let's go ahead and begin digging to our half Torah. And so we, we start off with verse 1. Uh, which I think in itself is just very powerful, very powerful verses. Yerushalayim, the time of your redemption is here. Mm. Arise from your lowly position in exile and shine, for your light has arrived. Hashem's honor shines upon you and rests in your midst. Of course, that's that's with the uh, Midrash commentary uh, in the verse as well. Get you some. And so it goes in talking about this idea of light, um, and it's shining and how... Jerusalem will begin to shine, and it talks about these two basic expl- explanations. The darkness in here is referred to as also, it's like the hardships of exile that's described as darkness. And it also relates to like the low spiritual state that uh, the Jews are, are plunged in a dark world 
that's largely dominated by false values and ideas, pursuing goals that do not truly benefit them. You look around this world, you can definitely see see that. I don't play. know, hussies. I mean, I just don't feel like any of that makes sense. Relevant. Just not relevant. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's not like people have this thing called a, a TV now and, and video oh, games. Oh, my and, goodness. You know, <laughs> apps. <laughs> yeah, apps. All these different apps and all the different games you have. And just sit back and just really, like, we come back to reflecting, like, ask yourself, what am I doing right now? Is this is this benefiting me in any way? Like besides instant gratification and building up an addictive spirit, is this benefiting me in any way? Is it benefiting, you know, the Malchut Hashemayim, the kingdom of heaven, in any way? You just went there in part. Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, we're getting off on a tangent. Back to half tour. So it's, uh, I think that was completely the half tour because behold, darkness shall cover the earth. Thick clouds, the peoples. Um, if that ain't darkness and thick clouds, I don't know what it is. I mean, I'm so like stirred up by what you just said and the questions that we should be asking ourselves because I go to work every day and I'm like, oh my gosh, this time could be used right now for more studying, more davening. But it's just like, no, you need to go here and you need to work. And you also need to not get sidetracked while you're traveling and while you're seeing billboards and while uh, commercials and advertisements are coming on in the break room. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, get this darkness and clouds out of (laughs) here. Right. There's uh, there's Yetzirah all around us. And, you know, we deal with uh, the Klippot, the Klippa called you know, screens, if you yes. will. <laughs> yeah. Screens everywhere. Screens everywhere. But so, Brickshim, the screen screen we have in front of us right now, we're using for uh, a right. holy purpose. So. You better know that, believe that, and trust that. It can be sanctified. That's right. <laughs> tell, tell all three of your phones that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, all right, I'm telling them. Get but yeah, they're, you they're, they're already spitting that, so. <laughs> <laughs> so now we, we've elucidated the darkness. There's also this idea of the light. Come on. And so it goes and talks about, with Mashiach's arrival, the Jews will be relieved of every kind of physical and mental distress. Instead, they will experience light, goodness, chesed, yes. and Yeshua from Hashem. Mashiach, right? you, Mashiach, Mashiach, Mashiach. Mashiach. Cool. You think about that. You think about what. Even Yeshua did while he was Mashiach ben Yosef in that position. What did he do? He went around healing the the, the people with mental illness, people who were struck by the moon, he were he, people who were plagued by physical illnesses. He went around doing these things, bringing people bringing this healing light from their just destructive darkness of, of suffering and hardship. You just called Mashiach a walking olam haba. Wow. That's what you just said he was. Well, I didn't phrase it like that, but I like that. I'm not coining that. No. <laughs> Man, that's legit. Oh, what? Well, the the walking world to come, right there. That's it. <laughs> Man. Wow. <laughs> A taste of Shemayim now, you know. <laughs> wow, in human form. Man. Okay. That's definitely why they they didn't fast and mourn while the the bridegroom oh, was with them. Oh come on, man! Because they were really in at that moment, like the world to come. Yeah, they really were. They really Shem, were. Shiak being beyond like this space and time. And you know. this is why Mashiach's Seder night 
was completely before the 14th of Nissan, but it was on the 14th of Nissan. Because he's the Olam Haba, where there is no time, there is no space. So if he says it's time for Seder, guess what? It's 14th of Nissan. Yes. Wow. How do you tell time what to do? Time tells you what to do. (laughs) Because Hashem tells time what to do. That's right. Oh, my word. That was violent. And so, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I just said that was violent. I don't know what just happened. Yeah, man, that was... Doesn't call for no one. <laughs> no one tagged you in for that one. That oh, was, oh, I'm that sorry. was taking the kingdom by force. My bad. Yeah. Where's my manners? <laughs> wow. So here we go. Um, there's another idea that uh, there is a ray of light even in the exile, which Ooh. is the light of Torah. Cool. It says by clinging to it, we illuminate the darkness and will merit to bring the full light of Hashem in the future in the time of Mashiach. Amen. And of course, you know, there's really no. Uh, contradiction is it Mashiach because the Torah answer is yes, yes. believe it <laughs> he goes in talking about how the, the Jewish nation says to Hashem because of the Torah you gave me which is called the source of light I will in the future bask in your light mm-hmm. and I just talking about how at the redemption Hashem's divine presence will reveal itself and will permanently rest in the third Beit HaMikdash in far greater measure than it did in the first Beit HaMikdash and certainly more wow. in the second then the second Beit HaMikdash, where the Shekinah was present only to a small degree. The light of the Shekinah, which is the light of truth, will shine so brightly and overwhelmingly upon the Jews that they will feel closeness to Hashem as never before. Consequently, they will automatically act righteously. I think there's so much in there, um, like especially this this phrase that, that we, as Jewish people, will feel a closeness to Hashem. And because of this closeness, we will automatically act righteously. And wow. so there seems to be this this direct correlation where people want to act righteously. Um, if you want if you want people to act righteously, help them feel closer to Hashem. Ooh, you know. So allow people to connect with Hashem. Allow, allow them and and just to understand Him a little better. And this this closeness in the relationship will actually help them desire to become. Wow. I have issues with my thumbs right now. They're just up, and they won't go down. <laughs> yes. I got you. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> Little hand pun. All right, man. Well, so we're getting in the, the double digits. Double digits. Let's go. Oh, wow. Couldn't put my finger on it. Now I did. All right. You know, get this half tour under our thumb right here. Oh, wow. Point it out to us. <laughs> okay, nailed it. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> moving on, moving on, moving on. on. Move, move, move. There's uh, other commentary. So we have this idea of this this light of of Mashiach, and Beskita Rabatai um, comments actually on this this verse and the second verse. Really. Yes, yes, and um, when I start reading this, you're definitely going to recognize this. It says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For, behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the peoples. But upon thee the Lord will rise, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Yeshayahu 61 and 2. It says, These words are to be considered in the light of what David HaMelech said when he was inspired by Ruach HaKodesh to say, and Telim 3610, for with thee 
is the source of life, the fountain of life. In thy light do we see light. This is what we say when we when we put wow. on the tallit, right before we put on the tallit. Before we put our old clothes on, the original ones we had in the garden. Mm. <laughs> or we just say Mashiach nowadays. We put Mashiach's clothes on. Wrap ourselves in Mashiach. In garments of light. Mm-hmm. Clouds so of Awesome, awesome. Like that's how that's how I said, like like you know, Hashem made light, wrapped himself with the talit. That's it. <laughs> he goes in and say, like, ask the question, what did what did David have in mind mm. with his verse? Said he had in mind the congregation of Israel, who said to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Master Universe, on account of the Torah thou hast given me, the Torah which is called the Fountain of Life, I am destined to enjoy the light of the time to come. What is meant by in the light? In thy light do we see light? What light is it that the congregation of Israel looks for as from a watchtower? It is the light of Mashiach, of which it is said, and God saw the light and that was good. Rashid 1.4. Really? This verse proves that HaKadosh Baruch Hu contemplated the Mashiach and his works before the world was created. And then under his throne, he put away the Mashiach until the time of the generation in which he will appear. You need to get some help. Alright, I will. And I am. But before I do, you ready for story time? <laughs> story time. Come on. All right. It says, ha- the Hasatan, curse be he, asks HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Master Universe, for whom is the light which is put away under thy throne of glory? God replied, for him who will turn thee back and put thee to utter shame. Satan said, Master Universe, show him to me. God replied, come and see him. And when he saw him, Satan was shaken, and he fell upon his face and said, Surely this is the Mashiach, whom will cause me and all the counterparts in the heaven of the princes of the earth, earth's nation, to be swallowed up in Gehenna. As it is said, he will swallow up death forever, and the Lord will wipe away all the tears, away, uh, wipe away tears from all the faces. In that hour, all princely counterparts of nations in agitation will say to him, Master of the universe, who is this through whose power we are to be swallowed up? What is his name? What kind of being is he? HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, He is the Mashiach, and his name is Ephraim, my true Mashiach, who will pull himself up straight and will pull up straight his generation, and who will give light to the eyes of Israel and deliver his people. And no nation or people will be able to withstand him. As it said, the enemy shall not do him violence nor the son of wickedness afflict him. And all his enemies and adversaries shall be beaten before him. And it says, I will beat to pieces adversaries before him. And even seas and rivers will yield to his power and stop flowing. As it said, I will set his hand also on the sea and his right hand on the rivers. At the time, the Mashiach's creation, uh, and we'll stop right there. Stop right there for now. But I just point out a couple things. It says, even the seas and rivers will yield to his power and stop flowing. And you, you see Mashiach uh, on the oceans with his disciples when it's storming. Yep. And he just waves right. at it and says, hey. And they're like, oh, and, hi. And then they lay down. Yeah. It's like, oh, that was, that was it? <laughs> That's how it happened. I mean, I was there. I saw it. I'd be absolutely blown away. Uh, being there. Blown, blown away, really? Blown away? It, it'd definitely be a sight to see. Oh my goodness! Floating there's them all there's another. There. Oh come on, <laughs> come on. Hey, can so, I say um, something real quick? 
Is it another pun? Uh, no. As tempting as that would be, I just really want to... No, wanna... you can't say it. No, it's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay, uh, real quick, because you ended on a place that some people might go, wait, did he just say Mashiach was created? And I literally had this conversation yesterday, and that kind of uh, rubs some people the wrong way, uh, myself included, when you kind of think about Mashiach being created, because it's just like, uh, Mashiach is Mashiach, if he's created, that's kind of awkward. And it's like, well, let's think about this. Let's zoom way out for just a minute. If Mashiach is created... What does that even mean? Because when Mashiach was brought forth, there was no creation. You know, you can see uh, Bereshit 1-1. You can see Yochanan 1-1. You can see Mishle chapter 8. All of this centers around the word of God that was with Hashem in the beginning. And with Hashem in the beginning is before any ounce or any particle of creation ever existed so if anything is created outside of creation it's really among many things semantics when it comes to the words because how do you really explain something that is brought forth when it's outside of creation because by definition being outside of creation and being created is not creation so i just wanted to make that um well known so hopefully people don't freak out. Uh, and just to know that, you know, Mashiach is eternal, just like Hashem is eternal, just like the word is eternal. And creation came forth from Hashem, came forth from the word, came forth from Mashiach. So yes. if we're thinking creation on a on our normal way of thinking about something being created, we have to disconnect from that, like chop it off, throw it out, and don't ever think about that again, because that's not what that means. I love that you took the, the swerve, swerve tag to, to do that and loosen on that point. Um, I've actually got some sources right right in front of me. Ooh. Right here we can read too. Bring but it. Before we get into that, uh, highlight the point. They asked him, Hasatan and all these, the princes of the other nations, all these demons who are in charge, of the other nations, what they what they said, they asked him. Last question: What kind of being is he? Yes. Um, notice he didn't say. You know, his reply wasn't that he was a human. Right. You know, his reply wasn't all like he was just an angel or right. you know, a sadikim, a righteous man. Right. The reply was that he is the Mashiach, mm. as as if the Mashiach is almost like this entity in and of its own self. Right. This kind of divine entity, and so. Just point out, you know, so if you're waiting on a human Mashiach, you know, you're going to be waiting. Wow. <laughs> so, on the idea of his creation, though, um, Pesquita Rabatai also has this to say about that. Okay. It says, what is the proof that the King Mashiach existed from the beginning of God's creation of the world? The proof is in the verse, and the Spirit of God moved. Words which identify the King Mashiach, of whom it is said, and the Spirit of the Lord God shall rest upon him. But when will the Spirit of God move to bring about your redemption of Israel? When, in contrition, you pour out your heart like water upon the face of the waters before the Lord, oh. then I, even I, will comfort you. Wow. Woo. And there's, there's another one. 
this other idea. And this kind of, kind of takes it back to Parsha uh, Haftor Echev um, in Yeshayahu like 49. As commenting on Zion that said, the Lord has forsaken me. What comes directly before this verse? The passage concerning the King Mashiach. Thus says the Lord, in an acceptable time have I answered thee, and I will fashion thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, saying to the prisoner, go forth. They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor sun smite them. And I will make all my mountains away. Behold, these shall come from afar. Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth. For the Lord hath comforted his people and hath compassion upon his afflicted. Uh, Yeshayahu 49, 8, 13. Commentary says this. It is after this passage that we read, but Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me. Why at this point? One would have expected scripture to have done just the opposite. First, one would have expected the verse, but Zion said, and then the passage on the Mashiach. Why then the order as scripture has it? Why? And then it goes on to say, In the verse, thus says the Lord, in an acceptable time have I answered thee. God apparently is standing and talking with the king Mashiach. The text goes on to quote God as saying, And I will fashion thee, as though the Mashiach not yet exists. How then can, how then explain the words, and I will fashion thee? Our masters answered, one could recite endlessly the chastisements of the Mashiach is afflicted within every generation and keeping with the sins of the generation. But when the Mashiach is no longer afflicted, God will say to him, By relieving you of affliction, I will fashion thee, so to speak, as a Mashiach who will no longer have to suffer, and give thee for a covenant of the people. Wow. I will so give the whole idea the covenant? Yes. Wow. So the whole idea of the fashion of the Mashiach is is the idea of I'm going to, you know, how, how David prays, like, creating me a new heart, O Lord. Yes. You think about this, it's, and you think about the, the word heart, right? Mm -hmm. Like Lev. Right. That's, that bookmarks the Torah. So we know that the, the heart is allusion to the Torah. Okay. And the Torah rearranges itself to meet the suffering and pain of this world. Mm. And we know the Mashiach is the Torah, right? Yeshua HaMashiach, the Torah made flesh. Mm -hmm. And so it's like Hashem is forming, he's fashioning the Torah back to its original state, the perfect Torah, to meet a world where there's no pain, death, or suffering, or sin. Okay. And to bring this about, he has to reform the Mashiach, Mashiach ben Yosef, and the Mashiach ben David. So the whole idea of forming, of creating, or fashioning the Mashiach is changing his mission, giving him the glory where he know he's no longer suffering. He's being reconfigured from his distortion for our sakes. Okay. that That's what I was going to tag in and say. But, Brooksham. Oh, please, if you have, like, a different way of wording or um, love, love to hear it. Well, I don't, but I can say the other things that were jumbling through my little helmet here were uh, Rabbi Alana Nava brings down that... When Moshe was on the mountain receiving the Torah during the 40 days, the first 40 days, and the angels were battling with him for it, he was going to the Torah like as if the Torah was on a bima, and looking at the Torah and arranging it to say the responses that he replied to them. So in other words, the Torah was formless, not void, just formless. It was just there. And whenever he needed to say something or whenever he needed to know something, it was fashioned right there on the spot. So the angels were like, why should you have the Torah? 
you're just, you know, frail man. And it goes, uh, so he looks and it says, well, do you have a mother? Do you have a father that you should have to obey them and honor them? And then he does it again. And it's like, were you ever slaves in Egypt? Oh, hang on. You know, and all that. And so he brings that Midrash down. I don't know where he sourced that from. But then Messiah text also sources that the moment Adam and, uh, and Hava ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the Torah rearranged itself to meet the conditions for a fallen world, which is what you just said. And how... You know, there are such things now in the Torah that says, and when a man dies in his tent. Well, before eating from the fruit, there was not going to be any dying in our tent. So, yes. yeah, it's the same Torah. It's just rearranged different. And that's why the term new Torah is used in Midrash, saying that when Mashiach comes, he's going to bring a new Torah. And it's like, well, the new Torah is no different than the renewed heart, the renewed moon, the renewal of the covenant, the new covenant. Like it's all like the same thing. It's just renewed. Renewed Mashiach. That's right. Just like wow. oh, just like Mashiach when he was brought forth from the from the earth, like Hamotzi Lechem. I mean, Hamashiach Lechem. I mean, Hamashiach yes. from the earth. I don't know. Freudian slips there. Or <laughs> but anyway, when he was brought forth from the earth, he was in a renewed form. You know, like this is not the same Mashiach that was buried as far as his form. You know, he still had the holes in his wrists. He had the nails holes in his feet and he had the piercing in his side. Just like the Lukot, the Sapphire tablets, they were pierced in their hands and their side. I mean, in all sides, you know, to see the letters floating through there. And so it's this wow. whole concept here that it's the same thing. It's just renewed. And that's the word chadash. Okay, that's all I wanted to say. I love it. Love the, the pattern. Yeah. The pattern that's being woven, man. Incredible. So shalom. Okay, so, so I'm glad we took that time to really break that down because hopefully that helps people. And... Um, like we've been talking about this, this, this duality, there's a need for renewal, right? Yeah. Before perfection can be restored, there has to be this, this idea of destruction. Like the before Mashiach has his moment of glory, he has this moment of suffering. Ooh. Because right after, in the same, the same, uh, the same, same, uh, verse context, where we mentioned about him being the light that swallows up all, all the principalities like Kasatan and all the, all the demons and all the evil in the world before that has to happen. Yeah. It continues to say this at the time of Mashiach's creation, like we've, we've alluded to that before. We're good. Now. HaKadosh Baruch Hu <laughs> will tell him in detail what will befall him. There are souls that have been put away under, uh, put away with thee under thy throne, under my throne, and it is their sins which will bend thee down on your yoke of iron and make thee like a calf whose eyes grow dim with suffering, mm -hmm. and will choke thy spirit as with a yoke. Because of the sins of these souls, thy tongue will cleave to the roof of thy mouth. Art thou willing to endure such things? Mm -hmm. The Mashiach will answer Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Will my suffering last many years? Hakadosh Baruch Hu will reply, Upon thy life and the life of my head. It is a period of seven years which I have decreed for thee. 
But if thy soul is sad at the prospect of thy suffering, I shall at this moment banish these sinful souls. The Mashiach will say, Master of the universe, with joy in my soul and gladness in my heart, I will take this suffering upon myself, provided that not one person in Israel perish, that not only those who are alive will be saved in my days, but that also those who are dead, who died from the days of Adam up to the time of redemption, and that not only these be saved in my days, but also those who died as abortions, and that not only these be saved in my days, but also those whom thou thoughtest to create, but did not create. Such are the things I desire. And for these, I am ready to take upon myself whatever you decree. At these words, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will appoint for the Mashiach the four creatures who will carry the Mashiach's throne of glory. Thereupon, his enemies and the heavenly counterparts of the princes of the kingdom will say, Come, let us bring charges against the Mashiach's generation, so they may never be given existence to the world. And essentially, he goes on to say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu uh, says, How dare you bring charges against that generation? And so- rebuking them. So first of all, that sounds like a very expanded version of Parsha Kitisa. But what I really just wanted to ask and request is that you would just share what chapter of Pasikta that you just read. This would be Pasikta uh, 35 in section 1. Toda that is That is a get you some throwdown. <laughs> Woo. And then in in two, I read a little smaller smaller section, and it's again talking about the seven year period preceding the coming of the son of David. Iron beams will be brought and loaded upon his neck until the Mashiach's body is bent low. Then he will cry and weep, and his voice will rise up to the very height of heaven, and he will say to God, "Master Universe, how much can my strength endure? How much can my spirit endure?" How much my breath before it ceases? How much can my limbs suffer? Am I not flesh and blood? It was because of the deal of the son of David that David wept, saying, My strength is dried up like a pot shirt. During the ordeal of the son of David, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will say to them, Ephraim, my true Mashiach, long ago, ever since the six days of creation, thou didst make this ordeal upon thyself. At this moment, thy pain is like my pain. Ever since the day that the wicked Nebuchadnezzar came up and destroyed my house and burned my temple and banished my children among the nations of the world. And this I swear by my life and the life of my own head. I have not been able to bring myself to sit upon my throne. And if thou dost not believe me, see the night dew that has fallen upon my head. As it is said in Shir Hashir 5.2, my head is filled with dew, my locks with the drops of night. And at these words, the Mashiach will reply, now I am to be reconciled. The servant is content to be like his master. Yashir Koak. So you have this powerful scene um, talking about, you know, I've I've not had a place to, I don't sit on my throne. My head is, is wet with dew, going from Shir Shir. Um, it kind of makes me think of, of Yeshua Amashiach when he says, the son of man has no place to lay his head. Exactly. And we go and talk about the servant is content to be like his master. Yep. And this is what this is what Mashiach tells his his Talmudim, you know, I'm gonna be persecuted and you will too for my sake. You know, a servant is not greater than his master. That's you should right. be content being like your master. And so also kind of looking at it through the, the scope of our seven half stories of constellation, you know, we we've read this idea of of Anoki Anoki who 
Menachem, I am, I am Hashem who comforts you. I am the one who comforts you. Mm-hmm. Right? And this is Hashem talking about him being the comforter. And here we see him comforting Mashiach. But we also know Mashiach um, has the name Menachem. Yes. Right? And so we elucidate the whole idea of divine Mashiach, right? Like it's, it's Hashem's name, but it's also Mashiach's name. And so right here you have this idea like, like he comforts the Messiah. And Messiah says, I am, he's reconciled. He's reconciled from the comfort, and now he is content to be like his master. <laughs> and so, what he what is he going to do? He's going to comfort just like his his father in heaven, his master comforted him. Right. Wow. So, uh, just like a, a, a preface, right before all this and the half tour takes place of all this glory, there's this suffering that that takes place beforehand. The crucifixion. Yeah. Wow. Mashiach on the execution stake and take upon all our all our, our our sins and our sufferings upon himself. Wow. And so kind of taking a, a flashback here, because um, we mentioned like him taking upon these sufferings and how um the dialogue earlier um, where he's talking about Zion. Yes. Zion asked this question, it's being comforted, and it goes and say how it's Hashem speaking to Mashiach about the sufferings he's going to endure. Right. And so this is back in, in Parsha Echiv. Um, the, Mid, the Midrash Haftorah comments, and it says, it asks this question in the introduction, it says, Who? Who is Zion? What? Yes. Oh. And so in, in Pesca Rebetai, we... We, we've read this thing about how Hashem's actually talking to the Mashiach. Oh, my God. Right, and then the Midrash Haftor says, who is Zion? And, of course, it, it actually goes in to talk about this whole idea of this woman clad in black who's wailing in for children, right? Uh-huh. But we read earlier that Hashem is also likened to, to like, a mother figure who's, who's weeping and wanting her children to return to her. And what's interesting with all this is if you take Zion... Zion has a gematria of 156. Oh my goodness. That gematria is actually the same gematria as Yosef. Stop it. <laughs> so who is Zion? Oh, Zion is Mashiach ben Yosef. My. The same thing it says in Peskitu Rabbatai where he's talking to Mashiach. Because right before these verses in Haftor Echev, uh, Yeshia 49.14, it's talking about... Uh, of I was talking about Messiah, right? It's talking about the Messiah. Reference tag, real quick. All right. As we're lining all this up, Yosef, Mashiach, Zion, weeping, longing for her children. Luke thirteen thirty four. Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often have I, Mashiach and Yosef, I. Long to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Wow, it's powerful. Everything that he knows he's about to endure, and then just know you're not willing. Kind of like what we talked about beforehand, like, you know, um, are we drilling holes in the ship, sinking everybody? Right. Are we, you know, just wasting our time? Are we taking advantage of his sacrifice? You know, if, if his, his Corbin, or are we allowing his Corbin to, you know, draw us closer? Which would make us holy 
and make us comfortable with serving Hashem and excited for the return of Mashiach. Yes. And not comfortable in a trivial sense. Uh, comfortable is definitely probably not a good word to use because if we say comfortable, that means so much other stuff. But it it puts us in, let's say, a better disposition for serving Hashem. Like, we we serve Him in fear and in love. There we go. Amen. And uh, just kind of hammer this whole point home about this is like kind of transition of Yosef, Meshav and Yosef, to like his coming in this Torah portion. We see in later on in 16, verse 16, it says, see, I, in 49.16, see, I always remember you and visualize you clearly Ooh. as though I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. And right. we have the word for engraved, motayik, uh, mm-hmm. for engraved. And the gematria for that is 538, which is actually the same numbers, just kind of rearranged as ones for Mashiach, which is Mashiach. 358. Mashiach, come on, man. And, and so, if you use a principle uh, that Arizal uses about just taking all the the uh, the numbers and adding them together, you get 16 for both of those. 5 plus 3 plus 8, or 3 plus 5 plus 8, you get 16. Mm-hmm. You have the 16th letter of the alphabet, which is the Ayin. And so this is really key. So that we have this idea, this subtle hint, that what's engraved on Hashem's palm is is the Mashiach. Wow. And now you have the Ayn, the letter Ayn, relating to Mashiach in some way. And uh, I believe it relates to the, the duality of, of Mashiach and Yosef, Mashiach and David. Here's why. If you take Yosef, Yosef's the one who's meant to be broken down. If you break up the letter Ayn, you have it made up of a Nun and a Vav. And so you have the Ayn, a Nun, and a Vav. If you put that together in that, that order, you have Ano, which is like a humble one. Mm. So you have Mashiach and Yosef, the one who's broken apart, the humble one. What does it say about Yeshua? He was, he was humble. He was very, like very broken. <laughs> and definitely, definitely broken for our sakes. But on the other hand, if you spell out Ayn to fullest, right, you have Ayn, Yud, Nun. Mm-hmm. Then, and you again, you, you take the Ayn, it's made of a Nun and a... Vav, and you re- rearrange those letters. Noon, Vav, you Noon. Rearranging those, you get Yanon. Oh, my word. Which is, of course, the Yud of Mashiach. That's right. The name of Mashiach. One of one of his names. <laughs> and if you want to take take any time, because I know you're the first person to tell me about, about this drop, so if you want to take some time to, to say anything about that. Well, just with the the whole concept of Yinon, this is uh, the Messiah's name again before creation. Because uh, it talks about in the Midrash how there were uh, seven things that were brought forth before creation. And the name of the Messiah being one of them. And um, that name, as far as speculations, well, not really speculations, but elucidations, is that that is the name ye known, because before the, sh- before the sun ever shone, the light of Mash- Mashiach was always shining. So his name, ye known, is all, always about the, name, the light of Mashiach shining for eternity. So, Amen. 
And that's what we have in this, this half tour that's coming up, the whole line of Mashiach. Uh, I know even uh, elsewhere it talks about like the Masha, he comments about Yanon and how it's the same letters as a Shem, yeah. except you have the noons instead of the hey. Oh my and God. so he come he he can he uh, comments on this quote unquote defective spelling as a hint that in days of Mashiach he will be called Lord as in Yudke Vavke. Mm-mm. He goes on to talk about this world is not like the world to come. In this world he is called God Adonai, but in the world to come he is called Yudke Vavke. In the days of Mashiach the name Yudke Vavke will be the ordinary name, so that even Mashiach will be called by this name. As it says, um, Mashiach will be called by the name of the Lord. As it says, this is his name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteousness. Wow. <laughs> and so all this is like on the on the palm of his hands is engraved the Mashiach, Yosef, who's broken before him. But also, it's this allusion to the expansion, the, the increase, like Yenin, part of what Yenin means is increase. Ooh, right, right, and that, that has the idea of like you expand out iron, you break apart, you get yinin. The whole idea of this divine Mashiach who's coming to reign, who's coming to redeem us. And quick tag on the yinon and the yodin hay with the vavin hay. The difference between hay and noon is forty-five. Forty-five is a dumb. Oh, that's incredible. The yes. first and the second Adam, basically. Oh, wow. So, that's yeah. incredible. Love it. So, Darabah, I, I was just trying to mind my own business and look up some more you known references. But you just can't do that and, because you're just so awesome. <laughs> and it's like my my screen is just like, say this about you known. And I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Say this, speak this. The first and second Adam, like the to go from to go from uh Yinon to Hashem, it takes the first and second Adam. Like complete the loop. <laughs> wow. Yes. Man. Uh but so like excellent, excellent this this whole, whole idea of what's before Hashem, it's just Yeshua. Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David, and then last little thing I'm gonna to touch on on this the this older half Torah, and it's common in the ver- verse that says uh, 49:26. Then all flesh will know that I Hashem am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Yaakov. And so the whole idea, like I am your Savior, is as um, Hashem Moshiecha. And if you take that those words, rearrange them, you have like the Mim, like as in like. Like you can put that as from, and then you have Yeshua, Yud Shin Vav Ayin, and then you have the Kaf. Now, what's interesting about the Kaf is if you spell it out, you know, uh, Kaf Pei, right? And what that means is the palm. And so we've been t- just talking mm. about how what's engraved in his palm is Zion, same Gamachi as mm. Yosef. What's engraved in his palm is the Ayin, which broken down as Ship and Yosef, but expanded out as Meshiv Ben David. Mm. But also, what's engraved in his palm as Hashem, our Redeemer, is specifically the word Yeshua. Man. From the palm is Yeshua. Wow. And so, just continue with that theme. And so, you have all these ideas tied in. So, yes, is is it Yosef? Is it David? Is it Yeshua? Yes, it's all, all of them. And you might as well just throw in... The cough, the the cough pay, which is the palm of the hand. 
you can literally say cough pay can be k pay which is like the mouth oh so the mouth of hashem the mouth of moshe which speaks is like the palm of mashiach's hand the engraving the letters on the tablets the remembrance of the sufferings wow that's incredible <laughs> Mm. so many elucidations you can do just on, on one word and one verse I mean used to box your moat man alright um, so putting the, the old half tour aside we'll, we'll get in a little bit more to ours alright we'll get out of Ekev <laughs> okay get out of Ekev get on Kitavo <laughs> Kitavo alright um, how about um, we go to verse two and go to a little story time segment. Oh, story, story time. time. Come on. It says on, on comment in verse two, uh, there's this idea. It says a rooster and a bat were both waiting for daybreak. The rooster turned to the bat and questioned it. Why in all the world are you waiting for day to arrive? I'm waiting for daybreak because I will enjoy the light. But you are a creature of the dark. You cannot bear the strong glare of sunlight, so why should you be waiting for it? Continue on this, the idea of the story. The story it says one of the sages, Rav uh, Abahu, reacted similarly when he was once asked by uh, Sadoki Asadusi, who designed the fundamentals of the Torah. It says, when is Mashiach coming? That's what the Sadducee is asking. Not during the curse, the, the Apakrat openly, the heretic openly, Rabbi Abahu replied obscurely, when you will be surrounded by darkness. Angrily, the Sadducee questioned him, Are you giving me a curse? Rabbi Abihu evaded. I was merely citing a pasuk, which says, Behold, the darkness covers the earth and dense fog the nations. Okay, can you please share your source? This is the Midrash Half Torah. Okay, and second, I just want to say that was uncalled for. You can't make me all excited about story time and then <laughs> recite like my most favorite story ever from the midrash what that's your that's your favorite story ever i love the story about the bat being like man i'm ready for sunrise and it's like <laughs> you're a bat yes dude i'm telling you like i know that's like in talmud as well and so anytime i think about the geula and the day of the lord you know quote unquote it's just like I always think about that story. I just love that story because it's just like, wow, let's bring in the redemption. And it's just like, but I'm a bat. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a bat. Are you even ready? <laughs> Man. And, <sighs> you know, further commentary, it, it talks about the allegory of the bat and the rooster explains why the light of the Shekinah will rest, not rest upon the nations after Mashiach's arrival. Wow. As it will upon the Jews. Oh my gosh. And so I read that little section um, because so far you have three things that correlated. You have a bat, a Sadducee, and the nations. Oh my word. And so um, Rabbi, Rabbi Griffin has highlighted this point, essentially like what it means to be a Jew, what it means to serve a Shem. It's not necessarily blood lineage. It's the ability to, to choose to follow after his Torah. That's right. And because we have right here, you have a Sadducee, natural-born Jew, if you will, blood lineage. Right? Yep. But yet he's compared to a bat who's not ready for the arrival of Mashiach. Mm. He's compared to the nations, even, wow. to to a goy, to a Gentile. 
And so you have that, that idea. And then furthermore, it, it goes and talking about, it says the Jews who are like the rooster and it says, why? Since the Jews accepted the Torah upon themselves, Ahar Sinai, because they accepted the Torah upon themselves, Ahar Sinai, right? And upheld it during the trying exile period with supreme self-sacrifice. Their hearts were purified, enabling the future light of the Shekinah to enter. Okay, so I'm not a bat, Baruch Hashem, but oh my word, you just said a rooster, and you know what I'm thinking. Go for it. Before the rooster crowed three times, Kepha denied. Uh-huh. Now you think about that, Kepha pretty much became a bat because he became a denier of the priests, the Levites, the Kohanim, because the rooster, when he cries out, that's the Gabini. That's the guy who's calling everybody to temple service i.e. come serve Hashem with your life, with your soul, with all your strength, with all your resources, like get up in here, get you some, like that stuff. And like, Kaif was like, no, I don't don't know anything about that. No, 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 I don't know the man. Like, no. He became a Jew who was a rooster who just reverted, reverted to a bat. And it's just like, the time of the kingdom is at hand and you're not a rooster anymore like what's the deal and the beauty and all that is mashiach restored him with the same way that he fell mashiach asked kefa three times hey do you love me do you love me kefa do you love me and he was just like you know i do and at that point he's a rooster again you know he's you know back in covenant like completely re refixed remolded recreated a new whatever you want to call it you know and that's what we are you know as we await the geula even if we should fall shalom, we need to make shuva so that we can not be a bat and be more like a rooster and keep torah even when it's completely dark outside <laughs> yes i mean I love that connection you made because, like, just the whole idea of, like, like Kefa at that time being like a bat. Yeah. Because with his mouth, like, the bat was saying, I'm, I want I want this to happen. I'm going to do this. I'm waiting for the light, right? Yeah. That's what Kefa was saying. You know, I'm never going to deny you. I'm never going to I'm going to stay in the light, you know? Right. And what ended up happening as soon as as soon as the light went went into the trying period, yeah. right, he fell back into his, his cave of, of despair and, and fear. Bat cave. Back, he went to the back cave, you know. Man. Um, but yeah, and so I think that's that's an awesome analogy, and the whole idea of us being like the roosters, like like alluding to the crier. Yes. Like we're we're supposed to call people as lights, you know, to their stations and to their service, to the platforms. That's what we're doing. We're supposed to be people who call and encourage others to to pray and come together before Shem. Amen. Right. Um. We have in verse 4, it says, Raise your eyes all around Mother Zion and see all are gathered and come to you. Your sons will come from afar and your daughters will be tended by kings and transported back at their side. And it goes and talks about this word all. It says it's ambiguous. Say it may refer to the nations of the king who are coming to Jerusalem to honor Shem and to seek instruction. It goes and says many of them are intending to convert to Judaism. Ooh. Yep, so like you have the uh, more converts coming in. It says, alternatively, all refers to Jewish men and women 
who these nations are bringing back to Jerusalem. And it's talking about why does the prophet emphasize that all Jews will return to include even the ten tribes who are absent from the rest of Jewry. Oh, my word. Yes. <laughs> the Mashiach says, I come for the lost tribes of the house of Israel. Oh, my word. <laughs> the sheep are the lost tribes. Oh, my God. Yes. You better keep so, talking. <laughs> you have this in this verse. And so as, a, as I'm going to keep keep talking about this, this subject, kind of go into another, focus on another highlight of this. Because it says the, the Jewish daughters are not described as coming back together with the Gentiles, Ooh. but rather at their side, mm. modestly keeping some distance from them. Mm. And before we discuss that point, on the next verse, uh, verse 5, it, it talks about um, how says she will see all these people come from all directions. It says her face will shine with joy and her heart will first will be amazed, shocked by the happenings and then expand from happiness for the huge fortune of nations coming from islands in the West will be turned over to you. The possessions of people will come to you. And so it says until now, Zion has been lonely and desolate. And now she sees endless throngs of people approaching her. And she's wondering is, are they her, Long lost children. Mm. Her surprise is mingled with this sense of wonder. Wow. Are these children Sadakim or had they assimilated with the Gentiles among whom they lived? Mm. And then she says this this is incredible. A look at them convinces her that they are different from the Goyim who accompany them. They are indeed her righteous children. Now she is overjoyed. Wow. And so. You know, I, you kind of get this, I, I kind of get taken back to the whole idea of Yosef and yep. how, what Yaakov might have, been, might have been feeling when he, when he saw Yosef for the first time. Yes. You know, this whole idea of like, okay, you're alive, that's wonderful, but are you like the nations now? Or are you still my, <laughs> my Torah true son? Wow. Huh. You know, and just to, just to highlight on this, this idea, you know, mentions the Jewish daughters who are modestly keeping their distance. It mentions all of them who are distinguishable, who are distinguishable from the nations. By their face. By their very face, by their appearance. Like, we're meant to stand out. We're meant to be a light upon a hill. Mm. We're not supposed to be assimilated. Like, when you look at us, you should immediately see you're a Jew. That should be the immediate reaction. And this is how they knew that they were Sadiqim. If the Keeper and ZZ don't give it away, something else will. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Kashri, Shabbat. How come you're never available on Saturdays? You have to take off for uh, Rosh Hashanah. Rosh, you roasting something on this day or not? <laughs> wow. Say. <laughs> uh, okay, move it on, move it on. Um, uh, and then it goes in talking about this idea of talking about people coming from the West, people coming from all over. And it says the previous Pasuk mentioned people coming from the West. And then it goes on talking about the next Pasuk, the next verse talks about the Arab nations in the South, Southeast and East of Eretz Israel are all coming there. Mm. And, you know, I'm just thinking about what Mashiach says, is many will come from the East and the West to dine with, you know, Seriously? like the patriarchs, you know, this idea being brought forth. Good night. You need to get some help. Man. Wow. I'm there. I'm getting all the help I need right now. <laughs> <laughs> and let's well, see. I have a timer set for 1030. 
And, okay. And uh, it is about to go off. So uh, I think what we should do is hit this last point and go ahead and jump to our practical takeaways. And yes. Head into a conclusion. Okay. So point, practice way, conclude. Well, practice way, really. But point, point, practical takeaway, and conclusion. There we go. (laughs) Okay. So, um, I'm going to jump to the end, end verse, uh, this little end idea. Um, so the last pursuit we have, um, this, this idea said the smallest tribe will increase a thousand times. The weakest one will become like a mighty nation. I'm a shim who is able to accomplish them. I will fulfill my promise in this time. I'll bring it about speedily. Ooh. And so there's there's many great things here. I think about Meshach saying, you know, the meek will inherit the earth, cool. right? And uh, other verses. And goes and talking about these two ideas from Meshach's arrival. One, that he will come when they merit, or he'll come in the appropriate time. Yep. The answer is, it's up yep. to us. It's up to us doing teshuva. Mm. But what I really want to highlight is this last pursuit that mentions the phrase, Ani Hashem, I am Hashem, as it were. And so it talks about how this is a signature and a seal for the unconditional fulfillment of all the promises for the salvation, happiness, and blessings for the Jewish people, and, and all of mankind. What? Even if B'nai Israel will provide un. Uh, will uh, prove unworthy of being redeemed, Hashem will fulfill these prophecies because Ani Hashem, for the sake of his great names, that is his desecrated in our exile. <laughs> Don't think I'm doing this for your sake. It's for my name's sake. <laughs> oh man, that's what that's David said. Wow. wow. You know, so the world may know, oh, know you. Well, we're going to officially call this the key Tybo uh, Haftara get you some. Because that was a whole right. lot of knees to the face right there. Be like, what? You need some? You need something? Yes, we did. We need everything. It's key to Yes. Need everything. Yes. <laughs> wow. Terrible. Okay. So, first of all, Chassis. I uh, ninja bow to you right now that uh, that was a very, very intense uh, get you some drop for Kitabo. And uh, I just want to say I appreciate that. And now, without further ado, the practical takeaways. All right, go ahead. I went last last time, so. All right. Go ahead, start us off. First knee. That uh, our actions influence creation. What? Okay. Nothing that we choose to do or nothing that we choose to think is too small. So uh, know that, believe that, and trust that. We got to get our actions and our thoughts uh, in line. And I'm talking to myself as I'm saying this because, like I said, this week has felt more like Kitetse than Kitabo because I feel like there's a lot of warfare going on. And the whole idea that Mashiach says to Kepha that Hasatan wants to sift you like, 
you know, like the weeds, you know, and sift you like wheat, basically. And the thing is, is that is true, not only for Kefa, that's not only true for myself, that's true for all of us, for everybody, for Kolechad. Because if there's one thing that's an issue, it's when Eretz Yisrael is Kol Echad. Because, as we just learned from this Haftarah, get you some, that if Israel is fighting, the world is fighting. But if Israel is loving, the world is loving. So, I just want to say that I don't really know what to do with that, other than to ask Hashem to really just... Help us all and stir us all by his Ruach HaKodesh that he has sealed us with to really just clear out our systems uh, because we're going through mikvahs after mikvahs during the month of Elul with the sound of the shofar, with the tears of repentance, with the re the recitation of Tehillim 27, you know, daily. When, and uh, as Rabbi Griffin exhorted us to take five people and five families, like two hands, two tablets, and lift these people up, you know, like he thinks he's slick, but I saw what he did, you know, five and five kind of thing, like sapphire tablets, we need that. And I'm like, okay, but, you know, that's what's up. And uh, that's my takeaway that I want to encourage everybody with. So incredible. And, uh, like, thank you so much for sharing that. Like, I love, love those, that insight. I think that's a, that's a good takeaway. And I'm just going to tag agree Amen. with you. And, you know, just the idea of we need to understand that we have power and we have influence, um, especially uh, um, being a part of Jewish nation, being part of Israel. And the idea of no matter how much power and influence we're given in the world, we need to use it responsibly and be very intentional and to not abuse it because not not abuse it at, at the expense of of another human being or another life in general whether it be a, a, a jewish life or someone of the nations you know never to abuse that power never to lose the influence never to abuse our intimate knowledge of of torah and we 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 see this idea in in actually like verse 10 of our of the the half torah and it's essentially, I'm just not going to read the verse, but just some of the commentary. It talks about the kings and nations being paid paid back, mida kanega mida, measure for measure. They once destroyed our walls, now they will rebuild them. They used to draft our young noblemen to our service, but now these kings will serve serve uh, serve the Jewish people in the future. And but it goes on to say this: we misunderstand this prophecy about the nations serving us. If we assume that in the future the nations will become our slaves, while we will live a life of indulgence and luxury, um, quite the contrary. In the future, the Jews will all be sadikim and so involved in Torah study and mitzvot that they will lack the time to perform menial tasks. Hmm. By performing work for them, the Gentiles not only help the Jews, but are actually doing themselves the greatest favor, since by participating in Hashem's service, they become worthy of his blessings. And elsewhere, it talks about how they're actually overjoyed to be part of the Jewish nation, overjoyed to be helping them do do these tasks. And so it's not the idea of them being slaves or or just like, you know, we're going to rule over them like we were ruled over in Mitzrayim. Mm. Right? We're never meant to abuse our power, and we're only put 
part of the reason why we were put in Mitzrayim in the first place was to experience persecution so that we would never allow someone else to go through persecution, especially by our own hands or our own words or our own thoughts. Wow. And so it's this idea, even though it does talk about the nation submitting to us, it's not how we think of submission um, as far as what we know in our culture and our history and all the, the evils and atrocities committed you know, within, within every nation and even our own nation. Just this idea to take away that when we have power, we have influence. We need to use it for the good of our brother and not just our brother, but the good of the nations. Well, you need to take the mountain and put it down. Just step away like nothing happened. Well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get... I'm trying to use this mountain as a as the hoopa, right? I'm trying to get married to oh, Target. Oh <laughs> wow, man! Well, what do we know? What do we know? First of all, Hashem, our Father, who is in Hashemayim, who is the King and the ruler of the universe, bless your name. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Adonai, I praise you so much right now for this time that you've granted us to really see your face and to move us to tears and to break our hearts in service to you. Thank you that you're so incredible to just lower yourself and humble yourself so that we can know you, so that we can interact with you. Father, I'm beyond grateful for this Haftarah. I'm beyond grateful for every letter of your Torah. And Father, the very fact that you've given us this time to be in exile has been such a blessing. Help us to not take it for granted because when we're no longer in exile, Father, may we truly be able to capitalize on everything that you've taught us, every experience that we've gone through, every tear that we've cried. Father, I pray that it is not in vain. I pray that we remember to strive for you, Adonai, to really grab a hold of your hand, to grab a hold of Mashiach Yeshua, and to light up the world like you told us to. So I just want to bless you and thank you and lead into the Haftarah closing bracha. In the merit of Messiah Yeshua, amen. 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 Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Zur Kol HaOlamim Zadik Bekol HaDorot HaEl HaNeeman HaOmer VeOseh HaMdaver Um Kayem Shakol Devarav Emet Vazedek Neeman Atahu Adonai Eloheinu VeNeemanim Devarecha VeDever Ech Echad mid varecha ocher lo yashuv rekam ki el melek neeman verachaman ata baruch ata adonai ha el ha neeman bekol devarav biskut mashiach yeshua amen amen well todah rabah chavivi blessings to you and your household and may you be inscribed and sealed for a good year, Lashana Tova. Amen. You too as well, Aki. All right, and to our Todaraba, receive it. And to our listeners, hope y'all are okay. Get, get some ice packs, some bandages. 
And may you have a Shavuot Tov. May Hashem bless you during the rest of these 40 days of Shuva as we look forward to the return of Mashiach Yeshua. May it be speedily and soon in our days. And until then, may you be inscribed and sealed for a good year. And may you have a Lashana Tova. And may you have a blessed Shabbat this week. And the merit of Mashiach Yeshua. Amen. Amen. This is Shomer Man and Chassis for the Hop to Get You Some. We are signing off. Shalom. Shalom.